Hey everyone, welcome back to SASA Podcast, the first five years. I'm one of your hosts, Agassi, still coming live from inside my own apartment. Hey y'all, it's Erica, also coming from my own apartment in sunny Gainesville, Florida. Agassi, how are you? We are holding up. Uh, not to bring up this conversation once again, but I got some chicken salad for lunch. Um, we are not going to dive down that rabbit hole of Chicky Chicky Sao Sao once again. Um, for our listeners out there who are making, may not know Chicky Chicky Sao Sao, please listen to uh, our episode with Matt Clifford for uh, some context. Uh, I just, but, why do you rub it in? You know I don't have chicken salad chick here, and yet you continue to eat it. And tell me about it. It hurts. I appreciate, I appreciate that you're, the rubbing in was that you don't have chicken salad chick. Not that I'm bringing up the chicky chicky sauce stuff thing, which I will never let go. I, I don't think it, that's a fun name to call it. I don't have any issues with, with that. Okay. Boom, boom, Sorry boom. Sorry about it. Well, I was going to say, if you were to ask me how I'm doing, which you didn't, um, <laughs> that I just, I had this prepped that I'm really nervous because right after we finish recording, I'm getting my COVID test. Oh, we've been talking about that for a while. I tickle my brain. It's going to be a weird moment, but. Well, I just talked to a friend who said that they had to do it themselves. They just handed the swab. So are you ready for that, you know, DIY swab? DIY? No, I won't do it. I, I think I'll drive off. <laughs> drive away. No, thank you. Drives away. Well, I'll work. I'll continue working at home. Um, but I'll keep you updated on how it is. Um, but the other thing I wanted to bring up is a new word coined by Miles called Zoomfo. And it's when you send someone the Zoom info, but you call it Zoomfo. And it is my new favorite thing. And I just really wanted it to be here. I really love that you brought that up, Erica, because that brings me to my challenge word this week. Is my challenge word Zoomfo? It is, and you perfectly defined it. There you go. Now our listeners will understand the context when you used it. Oh, so that, that doesn't count that I just used it now? No, no, girl. No, you can't use the word to define the word. We're going we're gonna okay, yeah. to We're gonna give a sentence. So okay. this week's word is Zoomfo. So get ready, y'all. I'm ready. I got it. So welcome, folks, once again, back to the first five years. We are here to talk continually about all the things higher ed, first five years related, new professionals, undergrads, grad students, all of you are welcome to listen. Hey, if you are a vice president for student affairs, we'd love for you to listen too. Maybe give some insight. But specifically our arc right now is a little more about networking and how to maintain strong and positive networks in student affairs. Absolutely, and once again, we hope to bring you some timely information based on the calendar and time of the year and hoping to provide a public space for the voice of graduate students and new professionals in higher education. But hey, like Erica said, if you're a VPSA and you're listening, let us know. Sponsor us. <laughs> we want your, your campus gear. But we're really thrilled. I am like jazzed, which means I'll probably speak quickly today, about today's guest. So Dr. Anthony DeSantis currently serves as the Assistant Vice President of the Biscayne Bay Campus for the Division of Academic and Student Affairs at Florida International University. He has over 20 years of higher education experience in various student affairs functional areas, including career counseling, veteran services, orientation, campus life, leadership, res life and housing, student affairs graduate programs, and disability resources. In his current role, he provides divisional leadership to the Biscayne Bay campus, student media, orientation and family programs, multicultural programs and services, and veterans and military affairs. Dr. DeSantis received his PhD in conflict resolution and analysis from Nova Southeastern University, a master's of science in higher education administration, and a bachelor's of science in exercise science from Barry University. That is not, although he's held numerous national, regional, and state leadership positions from the National Association of Student Personnel Administrators, shout out NASPA, and currently serves as the 2020-2021 director of the NASPA Dungy Leadership Institute. Lastly, Dr. DeSantis is the recipient of the 2012 NASPA Mid-Level Student Affairs Professional Award, the 2018 NASPA Region 3 John Coldis, I hope I said that right, um, Award for Distinguished Service to NASPA in Region 3. But to his students, to me, past and present Gators, and students all around, we know him as Papa D. Welcome! Woo! Woo! 
I mean, my cheeks are hurting already, so this is a <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I had read through that a couple times, but really reading it, you have done some things. Yeah, I appreciate for it. The, for the listeners at home, Erica's cheeks are also very red uh, from having read that very long. <laughs> and they're actually... always red, just yeah. constantly. constantly. I have a question right off the bat before we actually jump in to our kind of random questions. Where did Papa D come from? How long has that been around? You don't know that? I don't, which is why really? I had to ask. Yeah, I'm surprised. So to, I started at the University of Florida in 2010. And my second day on campus, I went to Preview, which is orientation. It was a 6.30 uh, welcome for the, the students. And I wanted to go introduce myself to the Preview staffers. And so I went and talked to them for like 10 minutes, kind of told them about myself. And I was like, does anybody have any questions? And so day two, Jeremy McKellar, and I hope he's listening to this, uh, Jeremy McKellar says, uh, do you have any kids? And I said, no, but I just inherited 57,000. And he goes, can I call you Papa D? And I was like, sure. And so it stuck and it's been that way ever since. <laughs> Y'all, it's stuck. Um, so when I was a student <laughs> at UF, I was part of an organization called the Campus Diplomats, Old Dip Love. And Papa D was the advisor, and it's it's not just something that is casual. Like this is the way that people know you. Has it really strongly continued at FIU? Do you find it has. Oh, good. Yeah, it definitely has. Yeah. And when you sent me the uh, the Zoom foe, um, I was upset that you put Dr. Santos in there. So, um, but yeah, Papa D. I, sh I should have done Papa D. Well, we're so happy. I know that there's <laughs> quite a few dips that I've talked to that have been like, you'll never guess is coming on the pod. And I think we're going to have a lot of listeners in and outside of higher ed just because it's you. So you're kind of a big deal. Thanks. <laughs> I also want to give a little shout out to uh, Papa D for actually just using Erica's challenge word. Erica, yes. you got to pick it up. <laughs> I, I'm trying to, to find a way. You, you know I don't do it early on. I kind of find it in at the last minute. <laughs> The technique is you forget until you kind of remember mostly into the conversation. You're like, oh, I need to use it somehow. That is 100% what happens. Thank you. <laughs> but today, like we said, our arc of building genuine networks, and partially because of the Papa D legacy and just because of all of your work in, in so many different areas, we know that you're kind of an expert on how to not only build a network, but build and maintain a genuine network. So many times I think we, we feel icky about networking, but I know that there, me and hundreds of other students and colleagues and professionals feel that it's not just a transactional relationship with you, that you really value and care about the people in your life. So we're so excited to talk to you about that and hear more about the ways that you do that and do it so well. Thank you. I appreciate that. It means a lot. Yeah. Well, before we get there, of course. What is the best thing you ate this week? Please don't say chicken salad. Are you going me? I don't actually yes. I dislike uh, chicken salad. I, I'm not a fan of mayonnaise. So sorry, Agassi. I, I don't mean to, I know everyone has their, the best thing I ate this week, uh, actually it was last week. I had Luna pasta, which is a small little pasta place by our house that makes handmade pasta. And it was delicious. Um, you know I love to cook, but but that uh, that pasta was outstanding. So, Oof. what about you, Agassi? Can you top fresh homemade pasta? I do not think in any way, shape, or form I can top ho homemade pasta. Uh, this is not a, a a week of high culinary taste, unfortunately. I think this week was very uh, run run of the mill. Uh, I do have to say that my partner and I did make uh, this. Uh, actually, it was pasta, but it was already made. So it was, I think, cilantro spinach or chive spinach pasta. It was green. Um, and from Trader Joe's, shout out Trader mm. Joe's. Uh, very good. Uh, I don't even remember what sauce we put on it, but I probably could have eaten it plain. But definitely, if you haven't tried the, I think it's, I don't remember if it's chive and spinach. I don't remember what kind of combination it is. I do know it's chive, but that pasta was bomb. What kind of pasta was it? We talking ravioli? We talking We talking fettuccine. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to Trader Joe's, which is why I ask. So I want to know what section to look for it in. There you go. Thank you. Um, I feel also kind of lame. Um, I made good turkey burgers, which I was like proud of, but I have this like powdered um, 
mix to make an aioli. And I was like, oh, great. Like, instead of mayonnaise, I'll make this. It's called a wicked aioli. I got it at, like, I think maybe Trader Joe's. And I didn't connect that wicked probably meant spicy. So my mouth was on fire because I hate spicy food. But I also don't believe in wasting food. So I ate the whole burger. And I think I had three bottles of water eating it. I'm not kidding. But it, it was good if I could ignore the, the fire in my mouth. It was probably just like paprika. It was probably not actually spicy, but. You really experienced a conflict of interest in that one. <laughs> the, I can't eat spicy, but I can't not eat this. <laughs> yeah, in, in this home, um, we don't waste meals. We eat our mistakes. It's that empathy coming through, you know? Yeah, true. I was like, oh, but I, I made this. But then I made the mistake of like, I ate it and then I made, I had a second one the next day and I was like, oh, it's not, it wasn't that spicy. And it was, it was equally as spicy the second day, if not more so. Thanks for feeling that though, Agatha, your, your nod was very caring. I feel that, I feel that. Um, so my question for you today, Agatha, in our rapid fire session, you have a passion for travel, but you also care about lots of other things. And I know that there's quite a few things on your bucket list, so it can be travel related or not. But what's next? What is the next thing we got to cross off that list? Oh. Oh, what is next on my like bucket list? I will be, I think one of the things that is very top of my bucket list is diving with sharks. Uh, I studied abroad in South Africa for two weeks and me and some other students, that was very high on our list of things we wanted to do. Unfortunately, it just, it wouldn't, it wasn't going to work out well and, and too much travel time to there on our free day and too much travel back. And it was just, uh, it wasn't going to work out, but I have definitely have it on my list to get in a cage and dive with sharks because I think that is absolutely a cool experience. Uh, growing up as a kid, I always really loved sharks. Shark week was always a really big thing for me. Um, less so now as an adult, but I still very much respect and admire them for the, the creatures that they are. But yes, I want to be up close and personal. Agassi, write this down. The Kelders, South Africa. The Kelders, that's where you need to go. My wife and I went on our 10-year wedding anniversary and we went great white shark diving and it was outstanding no Think the videos look so cool like i've watched so many videos of people getting in the cage and like going under and like interacting oh my gosh that's everything i want yeah it's amazing i mean it looks so cool but don't they can't they eat through the cage no they don't eat. they're they're bottom feeder they're top feeders they don't they don't care about the cage i don't Eric, know that i'll do that made me feel better no i'm not down <laughs> I, am, I am up <laughs> My pulse is up. My anxiety's <laughs> up. We're not doing it. Okay, Papa D, my question to you. So, Papa D, I know you are an avid runner slash health enthusiast. So, I'm really curious because I, of course, follow you on social media. So, I see all your pictures of all your running. So, I'm just curious as to what is your favorite place ever to have taken a run in? Oh, wow. You know, I did the Chicago Marathon twice and... You know, it, you also know I'm a huge Bears fan. So being in Chicago is uh, like a second home, even though I never lived there. But yeah, running the Chicago Marathon was quite an experience. You know, two million people out on the street just cheering you on left and right. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was awesome. So I would do it again. Um, I probably will do it again. I was supposed to do New York, but that just got canceled yesterday. So yeah, Chicago oh. was definitely a great run. And that's such a hard one to get into, right? The New York Marathon? Yeah, I ran it with a chub. I was supposed to run it with a charity. So I raised the money for, for that. So hopefully it rolls over to next year and I didn't raise $3,000 for nothing. So. I mean, wow. So great to raise that. That's incredible. That is really cool. But yeah. I, hope, I hope they push it forward. <laughs> me too. Me too. Oof. All my friends were texting me. They're like, hey, uh, do I get my money back or what's the deal here? <laughs> no, friends. Yeah, I was like, thanks uh, for your gift. What was the charity? It's called Back on Back on Their Feet. So it's actually putting sneakers on homeless uh, homeless people. So yeah. that's awesome! Wow. Yeah. What well, philanthropist to this list of accomplishments? <laughs> it's not already on there. I might have read it. It was it was, it was so, so many long. good things in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Erica, I got a question for you. So I've heard, I've heard some, uh, some rumblings out there, and I want to know if this is true, because you know I was the advisor of the campus diplomat. So oh, goodness. What, is, what is the real meaning 
behind a dipped ice cream social. Oh my God, I don't even know that I remember that. Isn't that when two um, campus diplomats date? No, no, no. No. I guess you're I, gonna have to figure it out and then get back to me. Oh my God. I'm so curious now. Wait, can I, can I phone a friend? You can no. You... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to text someone right now. We'll, we'll get back to this one. I'm going to finger it I, was used to hear, I, used to, I always used to hear about these ice cream socials and, and I was Wait, oh, so do you not actually, you don't know it? I, I just want to make sure you know it. Is this, a, is this a reverse psychology that you're trying to figure out something? Uh, I've heard what these are about, but you, you told me to bring a question to the table. So I, I mean, it, the question. <laughs> this is quite a standoff. I love just like watching this. I should have brought popcorn. <laughs> you should have brought popcorn. Uh, Okay, well, Agassi, when you ask your next question, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot a little text to some fellow campus dip alums and figure this out and get back to us all. Um, but what's the show where you can like phone a friend or like ask the audience? Who wants to be a millionaire? I almost said whose line is it anyway? Oh, no. Different show. I should have let you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my question for you, Anthony, actually, Papa D, Agassi, you kind of stole my vibe with the running. So thanks. Um, so yeah, so if you are not following Papa D on social media, workout enthusiast um, at like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. sometimes, um, what is an embarrassing go-to like pump up song that people would not expect to find on your running or workout playlist? Oh, wow. You know, I, I, uh, I listen to a lot of old 80s like hip hop and rap, so I'm I love Two Life Crew and NWA, uh, so I am. Those I have a lot of those songs on my uh, on my playlist, which uh, people would not expect from me. Uh, I mean, but, quality. Yes, rep Miami. That's right. Yes, you got to rep the three hundred five. So, uh, yes. not not the seven eight six. You know, the real three hundred five. Agassi says I can't claim three hundred five because my area code is no longer three hundred five. Oh yeah, he's he's right. <laughs> oh, I thought you'd be on my side. You heard it here, folks. I'm right. Eric, I can't claim Miami. <laughs> I got that 352. And you also grew up in Tampa. Wiki watching. <laughs> okay, is it, wait. Oh, no, it's not my turn. My bad. It's Papa D's turn for you. Oh, it's my turn. Okay, so uh, I never probably asked you this question either, but if you had a choice between Midtown or Downtown, what would you choose? What was your, your normal go-to? My go-to was always downtown. Midtown was just way too many people, way too condensed of spaces with too many people. And I appreciated that the downtown area was the 21 and up crowd. So I didn't have to worry about people trying to sneak drinks to underage students and all that. And because I was so active on campus, I was not trying to bump into students that I interacted with on campus who were doing things they weren't supposed to be doing. So I always like to go downtown and hang out uh, and just, that was always my go-to spot, specifically um, Bo um, Boca Fiesta. Oh, so one good. Of my fav one of my favorite places. And uh, oh my gosh, what's the one that has like the moon? Like the moon logo on the outside? Oh, the Midnight? The Midnight. Those are like my spots. I just love sitting down and hanging out, playing games with friends, or just chilling. I was not there for the hustle and bustle of the Midtown area. So in the eight years I was there, never at one of those places. So that's good. They, you there are better places to go. And that's not a judgment against you, Agassi, but there are nicer places that I now frequent when I want to be as far removed from students as possible. Exactly. I was like, we're okay. Be on the other side. And, oh, now it's my turn. Okay, boom. Okay, Erica. So I, you know, for the folks out there listening, Erica is, you know, as you all know, a very big musical fan. And of course, she's very hype for the Hamilton release on Disney+. Plus. I can't so wait. Erica, I know she can't wait, and I know she's probably planning all sorts of things and a watch party and sensations and emojis to react to. So Erica, what is gonna be the cocktail or the beer or your drink of choice, your beverage of choice that you will have for your watch party? Okay, so I wanna preface by saying I have multiple watch parties that day because I will be waking up at 3 a.m. when it premieres to watch it um, as soon as it starts. So I will not have a cocktail at that moment that feels aggressive. 
Okay. What did, I think I might have a Sam Adams that feels kind of appropriate for the theming, but I also think that maybe I'll make like a fancy like like I'll have a cocktail that I can light on fire and it'll be called the burn. Or maybe I'll make like a hurricane for the song Hurricane. I have some ideas. Um, you're right. I have I, I told people that I have to watch it alone for the first couple of times and then I'll allow people to watch with me. So I think that's when I'll introduce the alcohol. This is such a good question. Thank you for asking. I feel really seen. I feel like you're also now going to start thinking more about like, okay, now what am I specifically going to be drinking during these premieres? I, yeah, mm -hmm, you got me nail on the head. <laughs> so thank you. So now we've gotten all the fun stuff. We're going to get to the more fun stuff. So again, talking about building a network on campus and, and being able to sustain the network. So we have a few questions. Um, this is one of those topics I think Agassi and I are going to be actively taking notes too, because we are interested in, in wanting to learn this because you've had such a, again, strong connection to people over a long career. So, I mean, first question, how do you build and maintain the network authentically? Like where, where do you start if you're a new professional? You know, I, it's, it's different for everybody. I, I, there's not a, a pocket answer to this or something that you can just kind of say, this is, this works for everyone. You know, for me, I think it's, it's, it is being authentic, right? It's sharing your story. Uh, it's making people realize who you are. Um, because right, right when they meet you, they look at your title, right? So they look at who you are and what you do. And I think it's easier. It's a lot easier, obviously, when you're a new professional because you have that close relationship to your students. They see you, you're a few years out, and it becomes a lot easier when you are um, a younger professional in your first five years. Um, keeping that is even more important. You know, it's, it's realizing how you did that and how you're going to continue doing that throughout your career. So like for me, it's a choice, right? I think, you know, the higher up you get, become a director or associate dean or assistant dean or whatever it may be, you know, it's your choice, right? You, it's your choice to become an advisor. It's your choice to go to events. It's your choice to show up in the spaces where students are at and to, to let students call you papadi and to let students, you know, really feel like they're connected to you. But it's also just showing that you're a human, you know, and I, I think that's important because especially at the universities I've worked at, I remember when I started at, at the University of Florida and even here at FIU, um, they call you Dr. DeSantis, you know, they call you, uh, they won't call you anything else because that, that hierarchy is so important to the students. They see you as an authority and, and you got to break those barriers down. Like it's, it's really crucial that you make that connection with students um, day one. You know, and, and the more you can do that, the more students will know who you are as a person. Because especially if you're walking around in a suit and tie or, or you know, you, you look professional and you have that doctor in front of your name and you see assistant vice president, people get scared of you. You know, they think you're the principal. Um, and I've always tried to break down those barriers, um, you know, very early on and, and kind of share my story. And even in presentations that I give across campus to any student group, I always have like a timeline of myself with pictures to kind of show students that I am a person, right? That I came from a certain background, that I'm a first-gen low-income college student, that I had struggles, um, that there has to be something that students can relate to you with. And I think staff need that too, right? So as you connect with staff, you also need to be that person. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's the biggest part is just being who you are, uh, sharing your story and then um, maintaining it is just staying connected with people, you know, being on chat groups and group me's and WhatsApp and Facebook and Instagram. And every, you know, it's like everybody's somewhere you got to find their space. Um, and, and for me, it's just picking up the phone every once in a while and calling the people that I had a really close relationship with and, and making sure that I'm, I'm there for them. And I think that's really important. My, my dad always taught me, you know, to keep everyone, trust everybody at the beginning until you, they break their trust. And so I think for me, I've trusted so many people in my career that they've just become really close friends and good colleagues and, and people that I trust. So, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Well, one thing that I, I like that you brought up is I think people forget that students 
students graduate and then they become part of these networks. And that maintaining those relationships is just as important. Obviously we care about them and we wanna see where they go, but I mean, I think about you, I can name probably 10 people who are now in student affairs who are, are colleagues that you once advised. And that, that connection doesn't just have to be with other professionals, but and, and you're right, it starts as a new professional, it's probably the easiest time for us now, so obviously we need to get on it, but it's those people graduate and then you have a long career and they do other things. Um, so I think that that was great, that was such a good point. Yeah, you know, a good friend of mine who, who is a vice president of student affairs, who I met at the New Professionals Institute, and you may know this person, they're, they work for a school where their mascot is Uga. So just in case you, uh, you may know, uh, Victor Wilson is a good friend of mine. He, he talks about the kitchen table, you know, and I don't know if you, you know what a kitchen table is, but I think it's having, and I, I, I say it a little bit differently than Victor does, but he talks about um, who's going to be at your kitchen table, right? So for me, I, I'm Italian, right? So Italian people love everybody sitting at the table. <clears throat> and I think about it as you have people that are older than you, you have people that are a little bit, um, maybe your same age, they're younger than you, and then you have your, you know, what I consider the kids or, or the students, right? So I have these, this kitchen table where I make sure that, that the age range and the diversity of that kitchen table is gonna give me the support that I need as a professional, that I can pick up the phone and feel, and feel like I can call somebody um, for whatever situation that I need, there's somebody there for it. And, and I think that's really important when you're building your network is to realize at different points in time, you're gonna need different people to give you that advice. And having that kitchen table is so crucial. Um, and you gotta think about like, when you sit down to dinner, who do you want there? Um, and, and those people are so crucial in my, in my life. And I, and I hope that as new professionals think about their network, they create that kitchen table, right? They, they create those people who are going to serve in those different capacities for them throughout their career. I, I really love the imagery of the kitchen table. Um, as someone who uh, a lot of my activities and a lot of my relationships are very centered on food um, and getting together and coming around. I love the, the imagery behind that. And like, who do you want on your kitchen table? I'm definitely going to take that one. Um, and, you know, I, it, I also think about, you know, when you think about what you need for support, it's how can you also support other people? Because um, I think about some of the ways that I've begun to build relationships on campus with folks. And a lot of it is to also establish a connection to like back to my office. So when other professionals feel like, oh, I, I need some information from this area, who do I know? It's like, oh, I know Agassi, we have a relationship. Um, because sometimes you do just wanna ask questions. Uh, you know, I, I remember one time I was like, I have no idea what are some of the terms that admissions folks use um, on their side of the house, because you know, although we all work in higher ed, sometimes we talk about things differently or use different languages to talk about things. Um, so I said, you know, I can say, oh, I have a relationship with this person in this office. I can call them up and ask them questions. Um, and again, it's, and a lot of that is really just like, it's strictly just, hey, I'm new here. Do you want to meet up for coffee and chat? Like, I'd love to know what you do. I'd love to know what your work revolves around and maybe how we can work together. Um, that's been a lot of my entryway into like building those relationships across campus. Because again, it's, I want to know what you do. So if I, I need something or I need support. I know who to turn to, but also this is what I'm doing on my end. So if you think you have students who need help or need support, like send them my way and I can. And I have had a lot of students who've been referred to me by like other people on campus of like, hey, so-and-so sent me over, they said you can help me. And again, it's not just about like that support directly between colleagues, but it's the students support too. I have students ask me things, I'm like, I have no idea what that looks like, but I know someone who works in that office, let me ask them. Yeah. And I, you make a great point, I can see that, you know, it's, it's not just the, the staff at your <clears throat> campus, but one of the things that I, I implemented when I started here is any new hire that's hired in the division, um, especially our grads, more importantly, our grad students, you know, when, when we have new grad students come to campus, I make sure to meet with them and, and so that they know who I am so they can utilize me as a resource. It's, so it's, it's top down, right? You, you really, I think, and that, that's that network piece that you asked about, Erica, is you got to know the people that are above you and you, you really need to know the people that are, are working um, for you. Right. And so, um, and it's knowing, and it's doing that gamut across the level is really important in our field. It's sometimes we, we want to meet 
the people who are in charge, but they're not necessarily the people that are going to help you get things done. And so it's knowing all levels across the board um, that helps you build that network across campus um, and not doing it because you feel like you have to, it's doing it because you want to. And that's, that's the authentic piece is, you know, it's not like, what can I do for you? It's, you know, what do you need me to do for you? Like, what, what do you need for me that I can help you be successful in your position? I think those questions are really important. And I think with those questions, like you have, you have led with authenticity so people can, can believe that. Because I, you know, I know there's some people that I've come across that if they had said that to me, I don't know that I would have felt that they actually meant that, but the way that you have, again, led with who you are and from top down, connected with everyone at all, you know, ages, positions, I, I think people believe that, which is so important. Thanks. And also when you, when you give folks the space, when, when you lead by example and you showcase your authenticity, it also creates a space where other people feel like they can showcase themselves as well. I mean, I know you were just talking about that just a second ago, but I mean, even I know interacting with graduate students, I know sometimes, or even students who, you know, you're absolutely right. They see the title and they might not know what the title means at all times, but they're like, okay, this is like a staff member. And you know, if they're angry, you're the administration, no matter what, what part of the, of the chain you are, if you are uh, an employee of the institution, you become the administration. So it's also about breaking down that barrier of like, I wanna help. Because obviously, you know, when we get into different issues on campus and, and students are showcasing that and they're being active and using that voice, they can oftentimes see like, okay, a lot of people are my enemy right now, or a lot of people are like the people I'm against. It's like, well, I want to help you channel that energy into something that's gonna be productive. Because then when they start seeing, you know, the administration, it's, I feel like it's part of our job to be like, the person you want to speak to is this person because they oversee what it is that you want to change instead of just like this amalgamous like entity that is the administration. Yeah, and you, and you got to put yourself in, in the student space. I think that's really crucial. Um, even in this virtual environment, like yesterday, there was a, a club and organization fair online and there was different links for every club and organization. So I had a free half hour and I just popped in to like five or six different clubs that I, that I know and, and haven't seen them. Like, and, and I was like, hey, just, they're like, oh, you know, like they're so excited that you're there. Um, but doing things like that and, and just doing that, especially in this virtual environment is so important. Um, you know, I, I, when you have the Zoomfo for different groups, I got you twice, Erica. Um, it's not you know, a competition between us. <laughs> no, but it is now. It, it is now, and you're losing. So catch up. And I'm losing. But, but getting that from the departments that you work with and putting yourself in the space with those students is so important. You know, it's and and especially in this virtual environment. I, I think just popping in, taking ten minutes, you know, and saying, "Hey, can I just come in and say hi?" Um, and I do that quite often throughout the week. I have to do that because I know it's important to me. Um, I think as administrators, we need to do more of that. Okay, great questions. <laughs> so um, the next question, so we've talked about how to do some of this and how to do it well, which you've been doing. Um, what, do you have a pet peeve, right? So is there a pet peeve of yours that when you come to maintaining a network or things that you've seen new professionals or others do that you're like, ooh, that didn't land the right way? Uh, yeah, I actually do. I was thinking about this one. Um, it's when you get a recommendation uh, form from uh, somebody you haven't heard from in a long time and they didn't let you know that you're their, their, uh, the person that's supposed to give them a recommendation. So, you know, I feel very comfortable about giving recommendations. I love giving recommendations to individuals. Um, but it's when you don't know that you're one and you get it, that's when... Uh, I'm like, hey, and then I, usually that person's getting a, a text to be like, oh, I didn't realize that was your you know, your uh, person that was going to give you a recommendation. Um, but I, I still do it, but it is a pet peeve. I, you know, maintaining, it's hard to maintain so many connections. You know, I mean, the fact that you two reached out to me, uh, you know, made me feel really good about the relationship that we had when we, when we were at the University of Florida. But even after that, just, you know, staying connected is important and, and it's reconnecting that I think is even more important right? 
because you know that that person's going to be there for you no matter what. But yeah, that, that always is a pet peeve. And, and, and then usually I have to ask for the person's resume because I don't know what they've been doing for the last two years and I want to be able to speak to that. So, so yeah, if you're going to ask somebody to be a recommendation, make sure you send them their, their resume, make sure you let them know what job they're, you're applying for, uh, and then re-ask them if they'll do that for you. <laughs> I, yeah, ditto that. My, my pet peeve is part of that. I love writing letters of rec. It makes me so happy to, to help my students achieve. But I'm so invested in them that if they don't come back and tell me the outcome, I'm like, I want to know. I had a student who was like, oh yeah, I got into the law school, thanks. And they're like, I didn't want to bother you with that information. That's all I want. Like, it, it means so much. And if it doesn't turn out, you don't get that scholarship, you don't get that job. Okay, great. How can I continue to support you? But it does kind of hurt a little bit if if I put in this effort, that sounds kind of selfish. And then months later, I find out that that thing came to fruition because I want to celebrate you. I did have a student who got into all these great law schools and she told me and she said, you're celebrating more than my family did. And I, one, I'm just high energy, but two, I, I care so much. So students out there or, you know, colleagues, whoever's listening, that follow-up is huge because it also tells me that it meant something for me to write that or to give that reference or to provide that advice and that you wanted to keep me in the loop because that's also just another connection point that's really easy to continue that relationship. What about you, Agassi? Do you have any? I feel like, I think one of my kind of peppies, I guess I would say, is when it's very obvious that the only interest is a professional one. And not that there's anything wrong with only like it only being a professional or like a collegial relationship where it's like, oh, we're colleagues, we work in the same institution, or like we refer to each other when we need help professionally. But I'm also just the kind of person I, I kind of want to know about you. And when I feel like, I don't know if this is a peppy, when I feel like there's that like not a block but i feel like there's a there's some pushback against like no i don't want to i don't want you to know about me i just i want to have this conversation about like business i'm like okay i i feel like it the kind with the kind of person that i am i feel like sometimes it makes me shut down a little bit too because i'm like oh, okay well if that's like what you want then okay like we're this is the only thing the only way we'll go um which again i perfectly understand you know in all those you know being a new professional all those times that i reach out to folks i'm like hey you want to grab copy and i want to learn about you um, like I very much understood that some of those were just going to be like, okay, now I know about this area, not, okay, I have a best friend who works in this office. Um, and I also know well enough to know that some, those relationships take time and maybe initially it's like, oh, you know, I kind of got this vibe, but then over time the relationship in increases or grows. Um, but I would definitely say part of that is just when I'm like, okay, like, who are you? And okay, you don't want to tell me, oh, okay, well, well, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think transitioning, I, I kind of mentioned this about like different schools, but in, the next question is, how do you maintain so many connections when you move from school to school? I've not moved from too many schools just yet, so I don't have that much experience, but for the folks here who have moved schools. You know, I, I, it's setting expectations with the people that you have connections with. And I think that's, it's knowing that up front, and, and especially with, and I'll start with students and, and grad students that I've worked with. I've always asked, like, what do you expect from this relationship, right? So, like, what do you, what do you need? What are your expectations of me? And, you know, those relationships that I've kept with students, they've been really authentic with me and saying, you know, because my, my mentorship is not something that just ends when you graduate and, and I'm, or ends when you stop working for me. And for me, that's really important. So, you know, really understanding the expectations that the person needs from you and then providing that, right? So it's just like a, a good friendship. You know, you, you ask people what they want and what they need and you provide that to them and, and it's, it's mutual. Um, and understanding that just life gets in the way, like especially as you're in your first five years, you may lose connection with people because you have a partner or you start a new job or you, you know, there's so many things that could happen, right? COVID could happen. And so maybe we connect more because we, we have this virtual environment now. Um, but I think that's really important. It's just how do you maintain them is, is just knowing what that person needs and, and understanding their expectations and then providing that. Um, 
you know, Facebook and Instagram is great. I mean, you get to see everybody and what they're doing, but it's not, it's not, a, that's not a connection. You know, it's just knowing what somebody's doing. Um, so, you know, sending a, a text message every once in a while, just letting people know you're thinking of them, you know, especially with all the social injustice that's going in the world. You know, it's, it's important to call some of the people that you've worked with and some of the students that were students of yours and, and just reach out to them and say, you know, I've, I've sent plenty of messages that said, you know, I'm sorry that the last two weeks I didn't reach out to you. Um, there was so much going on on campus that, you know, I forgot to reach out to you and I apologize. And, and being authentic in that apology is important too, right? Um, but, I, you know, it's, things are going to get in the way. You're going to, you know, forget, but then you'll pick it back up where it left off, just like you two did with me. I mean, it's, it's like we just, we never left each other. So um, that's the great thing about connections that you have is you can pick them up immediately. And, and those are the ones that are authentic, you know. I, your analogy about it being like friends, I think it's so accurate because I, I guess you might have mentioned this earlier, it might have just been when you and I were talking, but there are some friendships that you don't have to talk all the time. And I think that's how connections work. You know, I, I don't think that we have to live in this space where you're following up with people every week, right? That's unrealistic. That's exhausting. But send someone the Zoom info. Eh? Got it. But send them that info. Be like, hey, do you have 30 minutes? I guess he's giving me a two to one. Okay. Give him 30 minutes. Um, I do that with um, actually Aaron Magliozzi, who is a dear friend from undergrad who I met in Campus Diplomats. And it's like every four months, it's like, all right, here's our FaceTime. And we spend two hours. And in that time in between, we don't probably talk as frequently, but I know that I can rely on her for anything. And she's, and she's kind of a colleague, she works in education. But one thing I always say is that networking is just making friends. It is just meeting people. And, and there are some friends that stay for a long time. There are some friends that you just grab coffee with and, and that's it. And you see them on campus and you say hi. But it is that same kind of maintenance. Uh, and, and I think we're hopefully all good judges of how often some people you really do have to stay in contact with more, but some you just pick up um, like you're back in undergrad and, and that's a really good feeling too. And you know, if I put it, I put people in three categories. You have well, four, you have your family, right? Obviously you have your friends, you have your acquaintances and you have your colleagues. And, you know, I put a lot of the effort into the family and, and the friends piece. And, and so the acquaintances are people that you're just going to bump into every once in a while. And you got to think about like where you're going to put your time, right? And where that time's so important. So um, you only have a hundred percent of yourself to give out. And so you got to figure out what percentage you're going to put where, um, and then just be honest with people. Right. So. I love the, the, the part about like the effort piece, because I was just thinking about that. Uh, it is effort. It is effort on both sides of that equation. Cause I know, um, I know Eric and I've talked about this plenty. I'm, I would say I'm a pretty low maintenance friend. I don't need to be checked on all the time. Uh, I love phone calls. Like I'm much more a phone call than I am a text person. Um, just because I like to hear people's voices. I like to interact with them and all, all that fun jazz. Uh, but a lot of that is effort. And I know that I've had relationships, both I think professional and personal where I've had parties say like, Oh, you haven't called me or you haven't, message me. I'm like, Oh, okay, girl, your phone broke. It, it does it not give out calls. It only takes calls because it, it is, I think a relationship and it, it does take both parties efforts. Um, but I do also think, you know, to your point about like just texting people and saying like, Hey, just thinking of you, I do do that quite a bit because there are times that I'm just sitting I'm like, wow, I just saw something that reminded me of, you know, one of my students or reminded me of, of a friend of mine. I'm going to let them know that I'm thinking of them because that initiates a conversation because it's not just, I'm just thinking about you and, you know, hopefully the conversation doesn't just die there, but most of the time it's, oh my gosh, thank you for texting me. How have you been? And we go from there. Um, and I will say that technology has been huge in the way that we've been able to connect with other people. So I know you mentioned like Instagram and social media, but like group me is huge for us. Um, I know with my cohort of the new professionals Institute, um, you know, a lot of it is just like, we'll put in our groups. I hope everyone's doing all right. Or how are folks doing? Just checking in. How are folks? Okay. And you know, it's just, it's a little check in. It's an opportunity for you to say, here's where I'm at. How are other folks? And for you to read that my undergraduate chapter of my fraternity still does that like mental health check-ins. Um, and so little pieces about initiating a conversation for folks to join in. 
um, because it is, but you do have to put that effort. And if you don't put that effort, you also can't expect that the other person puts it in as well because you're not doing it. Um, and it is, it is kind of a two-way street at that point. And I will say, um, I think this is kind of just an overarching thing that I've really has helped me so much in my very short career. But I think sometimes people, again, look at this transactionally, but it is, we shouldn't just be networking with people in student affairs. My job touches financial aid, it touches the bursar, it touches, uh, like I have to work with the ombuds constantly. And those are relationships that I have been able to form that even if something happens that's not work related or you know what have you that I have those connections and I think that that will really serve to benefit all of us as new professionals you know Papa D, I look at your resume and it's not one area there's so many things and even if you're someone I think I'm like a first gen success for lifer like, I think that that's where I'm going to be that doesn't mean that that should be my only area because we all have intersecting pieces for our students so they're just kind of a thing think about who else you can connect with that might be totally out of your purview, but is at some point you're going to be really thankful that you're like, oh, I made that friend in financial aid and I can call them and ask this question rather than, you know, try to figure it out now. When also the way you direct students, because part of that, again, is like the support for students. Like what sounds better? Hey, I know you're having issues with your financial aid. Email financial aid at ufl.edu and you'll get a response or you should really talk to Sally. Here's Sally's email. We know each other. I've already told her you're going to be reaching out. Um, she's already aware, um, but go ahead and contact her yourself. Like it, I, it's something I, I learned a while ago that I always really just enjoyed is this idea of like connecting people to people, not people to departments. Um, because exact for students, especially when you think of like marginalized students, like uh, marginalized populations, like first gen who are learning how to navigate these systems, like you know, saying, oh, just go talk to this office, you'll be okay. Like, you might be already the third or fourth office they've been referred to at that point. And like, at that point, the frustration increases. So what sounds more powerful? And the even further step is being able to say, actually, I'm going to go ahead and take you over to this area because I know Sally and I'll, we'll, we'll, I'll set you up with this person. And that is where the power of those relationships really come in. It's, it's that reciprocal. And you know that when they have students who need help, they can come to you directly too. And it's not oh, just email this department or email, you'll get a response eventually. It's Agassi can help you. He's, he, he's done this before. Go talk to him. I mean, it serves us too, right? If I was looking for a job at FIU, I know exactly who I could call. Or if I knew someone who was, I'd be like, oh, I know, I know someone that I can, I'm not looking at FIU. <laughs> I'm not job searching, Leslie, I'm fine. Uh, but, but those are connections that, that will carry us through. So, it, you know, I mean, of course, for our students, that's why we're here, but I think also thinking about our next steps, if you're that person who's job searching is these connections, people don't always stay at the same place. So it might be a connect connection you make now, but you don't know what's gonna happen five, 10, 15 years down the line. And I think that's been really great. We talked about cohorts in our last episode, following those people and where they go just continues mm -hmm. to grow your network and your connections. And I think it's such a, a unique part of student affairs that not a lot of other jobs have that same I'm doing like spider fingers I don't really know what I'm trying to say but this kind of extension that happens well we, we may be having a, a program manager position in our social justice area just in case you know someone's looking so. it's a good plug for everyone we should start doing ah! like a, are there any jobs you're hiring for? oh that's a good idea okay look at that that is using our platform. There it is. I also want to say I got a response from Erin Magliozzi and her response to the question, what is a dip ice cream social is that it is a fun and casual gathering of fellow campus diplomats. Um, I'm sure that's what the written description was. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. So I just wanted to provide that answer. There might have been more texting. That's why that, those were never promoted to your advisor. <laughs> uh -huh. It is weird, not weird, but like funny to be on the other side and be like, no longer an advisor, now a colleague. Exactly. Um, I know some of my students feel that sometimes when they graduate, they're like, can I, can I add you on like Instagram? And what's, and I was like, I don't, whatever, you're graduated now. Welcome to, to adulthood. That's one piece that I would like to hit upon uh, is, is, as you're in your first five years is really realizing 
where your personal social life is on, on social media and where your professional life is and separating the two. So for me, you know, Facebook is my family and my close friends and Instagram I use for work and Twitter I use for work, right? So it's creating those kind of different platforms for you to have somewhat of a personal life. Um, yeah, that, I think that's really important. Students, students will not become friends with me on Facebook until they graduate, so. No, that's such a good point. That's my rule too is, well, yeah, Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, I'm just funny, come follow me. But I, I do have that line because I think part, the beginning you said being authentic and being yourself, I can't do that if I think students are watching. So to the like 10 students who are in my Instagram queue, come graduation, you'll get added, but right, like they'll come up to me and say, well, why haven't you added me? Sometimes you can wait. Um, any last minute thoughts, Agassi or Papa D that we didn't hit on that you wanna make sure we, we uh, send home with the folks? Well, really, I appreciate you having me. This was great. It was great to see both of you and, and uh, have this conversation with you all. And yeah, it's great what you're doing. I, I hope uh, more professionals take part of this. And, you know, if there's everything, anything I could ever do for the both of you, just know that I'm here. Oh, wow. Uh, thank you thank so much for joining us. You. This is, this like, again, the first, my first thought was like, oh my gosh, we have to have Papa D on here. So thank you for coming. And it's, it's a, it's a wild ride with us. It's so a real, that you came real circle. That was one of the Campus Dips recruiting themes. Full circle. Full circle. My senior year. Anyway, so thanks again, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Papa D. Thanks for being here for the first five years presented by SACSA. A special thank you to Miles Surrett and Erica Lee for producing this episode. Agassi, where can they find us? You know, you can find me in a lot of places, but online, you can find me on Twitter at Agassi, A-G-A-S-S-Y, under Erica, where you at? You can find me at Erica M underscore Aguiar, that's A-G-U-I-A-R. And don't forget to follow SACSA, the Southern Association for College Student Affairs, on all the things, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We've given them a ton. Won't say them again, because they're kind of a mouthful. Papa D, can we follow you? Where are you at? I'm at FIU underscore AVP on Instagram. I love it. So short, so succinct. Keep it simple. I, wa I wonder where he works and what he does. You yeah. don't have to. With me, you do. <laughs> I tell you, I got a lot of slack when I changed my, my title uh, when I left UF because it was like at A DeSantis. And I changed it to FIU AVP and people, I got a lot of slack from people. They were very upset with me. So. I bet they still follow you though. They, they still follow me. Yeah, so it works. <laughs> well, thanks again, everyone for joining us for another episode. Thank you so much. And don't forget to tune in next.